Welcome back to another episode of God Live B2B Jam Session. Thank you so much for joining us, Deborah, Samuel, and Mrs. Sada. Loving all the love that y'all are giving. Happy Tuesday, this lovely Tuesday evening for some, morning for us here still in Oakland. Much love to Oakland if you're tuning in from Oakland. Show us some love in the comments. How are you doing? How was your Monday? Have you gotten breakfast yet? <laughs> What's working from home like today? Today I'm super excited because I'm going to be talking to one of the leaders in the future of work and one of the CEOs of one of the hottest products in the world slash in Silicon Valley and abroad right now, Phil Libin, who's the CEO of Mmm, you got to say it like that, Mmm, as well as All Turtles, which is a product studio really centered around building technology and products across the future of work and healthcare. We're going to dive deep a little bit about his inspiration for building alternatives because it's super cool. You thought it, you would only think it was just mm -hmm, he's working on, but he's actually working on a variety of different products that we're really going to get giddy, giddy about today and really dive deep on. And you probably use this note-taking app in the future. He is the co-founder and former CEO of Evernote. As you may know. So if you've used that before, let us know. Show some love if you're an Evernote geek. If not, still show some love. And shout out to Tiana. Hey, Mrs. Brown. How's it going? Shout out to Mrs. Mowat. Happy Tuesday, ma'am. With that said, let's go ahead and bring Phil onto the show. Hey, Phil. How's it going, man? Hey, how are you? <laughs> mm -hmm, we're doing well, man. <laughs> it's nice to see you. Oh, nice to see you as well with the mm -hmm background going on. <laughs> All right, so I have to ask you because I've been wanting to ask you this forever. How did what, what inspired the name? Mm -hmm? I think let's start there. Well, um, you know, we started uh, a company called All Turtles to uh, to design uh, products. Uh, I had a, a product studio, and I kept getting asked, uh, "Why'd you call it All Turtles? That's such a weird name. What's up with the name All Turtles?" So yeah. I just wanted to have to name the next thing. Uh, Something that would make people stop asking me about why Old Turtles is a weird name. So I was like, well, if you think that's a weird name, you know, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And you came up with one even better. What is your love to Mambo who says, I like the uniqueness of mm -hmm. So you're getting some love from Mambo over here. You know, Phil, I would love for you to take us a little bit back because you, know, you used to run one of the top and hottest, I mean, still one of the hottest companies in the world at Evernote. You know, what inspired you to kind of get into the work that you do um, as an entrepreneur? And, you know, with the world changing now, with the future of work, what are your, some of your thoughts on kind of where the future of work is going? Well, uh, you know, I've always just wanted to, um, to have some impact. I've just been motivated uh, you know, since I was a little kid, just trying to do something meaningful, have some impact on the world. Uh, but I was, uh, you know, I was born without any kind of noticeable talent. Uh, like I'm not, you know, my parents are both, for example, like amazing professional musicians. Uh, but, you know, I can't play anything. I can't, you know, I can't, I'm not like a particularly good writer. I'm not an artist. I can't create things. I'm not, you know, a politician. So like all of the ways that I think, uh, uh, you know, all of the ways that people can, can, can uh, uh, strive to change the world. And it's just, you know, I wasn't good at any of those things. So the only thing left was, uh, you know, was entrepreneurship, was starting my own stuff. Uh, and, and I'm not trying to be coy about it. That was like kind of literally my motivation. Like if I had, if I had more specific, you know, noticeable skills, I would have probably been something else. Uh, but, 
you know, failing that, I, I decided to just try making stuff myself and was lucky enough to work with some really amazing people and some really good friends and, uh, you know, had uh, had a pretty good a pretty good start so far. Yeah. You know, I, I was never voted most likely to succeed as well in high school. <laughs> so I, I can relate with you 100 percent. You know, I was definitely not voted anything in high school. I was, I was, you know, I was pretty invisible. Yeah, you know, same, same. Uh, being a, a third culture kid myself. So, you know, with with with, some, with everything that you've been building, I mean, you, you you built one of the hottest productivity apps in the world in, in Evernote, and now you know, mm -hmm, which is really changing how we think about video and engaging with video in the work context. You know, what has been, uh, I guess, some of the trends that you've been seeing in the future of workspace that's been really exciting you uh, as a technologist and entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, I think the um, I think it's always important to ask like, what's different now, right? I think like whenever you're kind of making a startup, uh, I think the, the 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 question should always be. I mean, there's always kind of three questions, right, for an entrepreneur, which is like, why, you know, why you, why this, and why now, right? Like, why why is this the thing that you want to work on? Why are you the right person to work on it? And 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 why why now? And it's that why now that's I think maybe mo the most important, like. Why is this a thing that you can do that you should do now that like wasn't a good idea a few years ago? What's what's fundamentally new and different about the world? And you know, there's always something. There's always something kind of new and different that creates new challenges and new opportunities. But but man, in 2020, like it's all different, right? It's all new challenges and opportunities. Things have changed so fundamentally that I think it's just natural to think like, well, okay, what's what's totally different now than it than it's ever been before, and how do we make the most of it? So you know, the change towards uh, more video everywhere, towards working uh, remotely, uh, towards being a little bit more, you know, self-sufficient. There's a, there's just a lot of trends that are vastly accelerated in the past couple of months. And, uh, you know, whenever that happens, it's uh, it's the right time to try to rewrite the world and make it a little bit better than it was before. Yeah, 100%. I think one of my, my favorites that I've been keeping tabs on is this, this trend in, in home fitness, <laughs> which I, I've always sucked at, at, at working out. But now that there is no gyms, you have to force yourself to say, how, how do you take care of your physical health? And I've actually recently got a yoga mat to give more oh. stretchy yoga. <laughs> yeah, I gotta, I, I, I've, I've got to start taking that seriously. Uh, I decided uh, I decided about a month ago that uh, I'm going to learn Tai Chi. Yeah. I don't know why. I just like decided <laughs> that like, Tai Chi is what I want. And like, um, uh, you know, I haven't really taken the first step yet, but I've at least made a decision. But at some point, maybe the next time we talk, I'll I'll I'll, I'll be a Tai Chi amateur. Yeah, maybe writing a Tai Chi book. We would love to hear it, man. We would love to yeah. hear it. So you know, so Mhm is one of the companies that you're working on and you're building. But there's also All Turtles, as you mentioned, which is a product studio. So I got a chance to check out All Turtles, and I was blown away by the variety of things that you're working on, and specifically in the healthcare and future of workspace. And it's because it's so everything that you, that you guys are working on is so unique, but so necessary in the world. But we'd love for you to talk a little bit more about some of the things that you're working on. And my favorite has to be Replica, which I actually got a chance to use. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm actually talking to, like, my best friend right now. But share a little bit more about some of the, the products you guys are working on within uh, All Turtles. Yeah, Replica is, is, is really cool. We were very lucky to, uh, you know, to get a chance to help Zhenya uh, uh, and the team uh, to make that product. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an AI friend for, uh, for uh, kind of for, for, for therapy, for making people feel less, you know, less alone, less isolated. It's, uh, it's kind of really cool. 
Um, yeah, everything we work on at All Turtles is uh, about the future of work or the future of health. Those are kind of the two themes that we started with. And I think more and more now we realize that it's really the same theme. Mm. Uh, and it's really about just how do you live a more balanced uh, life and a, and, and, and a better life. And for almost everyone, those kind of two things really merge together, especially now, especially with so many people, you know, working remotely, like the f work and health are completely uh, intertwined. Mm. Um so we, you know, we, a uh, product studio, our, our philosophy is uh, we want to make worthwhile products for the world with, you know, with as little bullshit as possible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we just want products to exist that, uh, that serve the world well, that are, that are delightful, that are fun, that are important. Uh, and uh, we don't really care whether these products are, are individual startups or whether they are just things that we build internally or whether they belong to a big company that we partner with. We're, we're kind of indifferent to the, you know, the legal ownership of the product. <clears throat> we're not trying to fetishize startups, for example. Like we don't care about making startups. We sometimes make startups, but what we really care about is, is products. Uh, and so, you know, we have some criteria for, for what we'll work with, but um, I think it's maybe overly generous to say that we have a kind of a strategy. I think it's it's it hasn't been that many things yet for our strategy to kind of emerge, but it's been uh, yeah I think nine or ten things that 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 we're really proud of um, that have a, a few things in common. Uh, most notably, what they all have in common is they all solve a very specific problem. They all have amazing founders who are among the the smartest people in the world that are in love with the problem and willing to try lots of different solutions to solve it. They all have very direct business models. We only work on things with very kind of straightforward, old fashioned revenue models. No, you know, no advertising, no data selling, nothing, nothing weird like that. Uh, and they have this timing in common, which is they're all things that we can build right now, but that would have been crazy to try to build them two to three years ago. That mm. something's changed in the world to, to, to make them possible this year. Whereas, like, if you try to do it a few years ago, it would have been it would have been nuts. So, you know, things that meet those four criteria, we we like working on them. Yeah. Well, we know mm -hmm is your favorite because you're leading it. But outside of mm -hmm, you know, what, what, what's one of the, the the companies that you've gotten a chance to work on at Product Studio that really kind of gets you excited about where you can be in five to ten years potentially? Yeah, I mean, sooner, right? So our our criteria is very much twelve to eighteen months uh, to get to market. Um, and there's nothing wrong, obviously, with with companies that take a lot longer. Uh, we're just not like we're specifically geared up to do really worthwhile things in 12 to 18 months in a way that couldn't have been done two to three years earlier. Yeah. Uh, so we're not we're not looking for things that are going to take, you know, five to ten years before we can, you know, before we even have an initial product. Obviously, we'll keep working on things as long as it takes, but we want to make sure that none of this stuff is like sci-fi. It just would have been sci-fi a few years ago. Mm. Um, a great example of that is Telus. I think Telus is uh, um, on our companies, and it's 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 kind of amazing. Um, it's this uh, box. It's like a little magic box that you plug into the wall, and it automatically figures out the vital health status of people in the room. Uh, it, it sees. Um, it could figure out your how you're moving, how you're breathing. Uh, it could see your 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 heartbeat, uh, how you're sleeping. Um, and it's used for elder care. So the idea is uh, it can it can monitor vital stats for elderly people to let them stay at home much longer, to give much better information to to caregivers for you know remote monitoring and, and healthcare for elderly people. And it does this without any kind of uh, cameras or microphones or wearables. So there's no like privacy violating anything. Um, so it, it's literally, you know, I think Arthur C. Clarke, right? Uh, one of his one of his laws, right, was. Uh, 
uh, a sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Like this is a thing that clearly <laughs> five years ago would have been unthinkable. It, it, it uses radar. So it's a little box this big and it uses a precision radar that can literally see like blood flowing through your blood vessels and can process all that data and actually make sense of it and say, oh, that's, you know, that's grandma and her breathing is, you know, elevated or something. So maybe we should check out what's going on. Um, it's something that, yeah, like when, when I first saw it, uh, Tanya and Kevin, the co-founders, uh, when Tanya, the, the CEO, first showed it to me a few years ago, I thought like, oh, this isn't going to work. Like, yeah, I see what you're trying to do and it's a big problem, but like, there's no way you can get this to work. Uh, but there's been such huge technology advances in in mm -hmm. AI and in radar miniaturization and, and other things that, yeah, they got it to work. They're building it. They're selling it in Japan. They just raised money. So it's a, it's a really cool example of something that is good for the world. It's got brilliant founders, very obvious business model. And if you would have tried to build it three years ago, you would have been crazy. But now it's actually doable. It's super feasible. Yeah, that's actually, I, I saw that. I was blown away. It's very cool. I'm still, frankly, kind of shocked when I see it working. <laughs> Right. Uh, it, it's so well designed too. It, it, I think it's uh, it kind of speaks to the innovation that we're seeing in, just in the hardware space, you know, mm -hmm. and also kind of to a degree software too. It's kind of hardware and software mesh in a really delightful way because there's a mobile app component to it as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of the best products are are, are you know a combination of hardware and software. I mean, those distinctions are pretty artificial. So, yeah, you know, like if you look at. Uh, Apple products, like it's it's both, right? It's whatever you need. There's some some problems you need to solve with hardware, some problems you solve with software. It's nice to have the flexibility to say whatever it takes to make the, the, the most beautiful, the most highly effective product to solve our particular problem. Yeah. With that said, let's ask you, what are your, some of your favorite products? We talk a lot about products on the show. You know, what are some of the products that are in Phil's toolkit, a future of work toolbox that really help you become the, the best you? Well, uh, the ones that, you know, ones that I'm not involved in building. Uh, <laughs> um, so I love Grammarly. I think Grammarly oh, is awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's great. I am, I am a very, 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 very small investor in Grammarly. Like they, so I, I do have some, some, some tiny stake in it, but only because like I loved it so much. I was such a, such a fanboy of it that, uh, you know, I finally got a chance to meet the founders and they, they, they let me put a very small amount of money in. Um, but it's great. Like it's, it's, I think a perfect example of what AI should be. Like there's a lot of very non-trivial AI there. Uh, and, uh, it just works. It just makes my writing a lot better. Um, makes me feel like it makes me feel like a better writer. It's not like, it's not annoying. It's not, it's not correcting things gratuitously. Uh, I just think it's a, it's just a really, really cool product. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I was using it. Like I pretty much live in Grammarly. I do a fair amount of you know, writing of things and. Yeah, I'm just kind of always in it, uh, you know, love it. Uh, you know, in terms of other stuff, I still, a, a bunch of uh, a bunch of the productivity things that I use, hmm. um, you know, Figma. Figma, I have no connection to at all. I'm just a huge fan. Figma is probably my favorite thing about working. Like when I, you know, when I get up in the morning and I sit down at my, at my desk uh, and I start working, like the thing I love most is like loading up Figma and just seeing like what everyone's working on, what happened since last night. Uh, it's completely transformed our design culture and our our, our engineering culture. Uh, we just live in Figma. I think it's you know I think it's great. I still use Evernote all the time for personal stuff. Um, so I have you know quite a quite a big tool chest of things that I you know that I really like. Do you, do you have thoughts on uh, you know the the future of note taking with all of these new kind of note apps coming out in the world, the the Rome researches and 
and all of that. What are your thoughts? Because there's a huge Twitter conversation going on around that these days. Yeah, I mean, I have a, I have a, I have a lot of respect for uh, for Rome. Um, I don't use it myself because it's not, it's not for me. Um, uh, I think the way that I used to think about this, and and and, and I don't think about it that much, just because I've been out of the you know note taking industry for I don't know, five years. <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, you know I kind of still have some PTSD from it, so I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't spend all my time thinking about how I would make note taking apps. Um, but I, uh, you know, at Evernote, we used to kind of think about things in three buckets. Uh, there's there's groups of people who uh, I would call uh, organizational fetishists. Mm. Like they like organizing things, meaning they derive pleasure from the act of organizing things. They like like putting things into like they like putting labels on things and putting everything in just the right box and you know outlining their tools and they just like organizing stuff. And that's great. There's a lot of people like that. Um, they tend to have all sorts of, you know, like GTD and other kind of methodologies, but they, it isn't so much that they, they are more productive or better organized than other people. It's that mm-hmm. they enjoy the feeling of being organized and getting organized. And that's great. We totally get that. That's probably 5% of the population. And it's not me. Like, I just don't, like, I don't, I don't enjoy being organized, but lots of people do. And that's cool. Um, there's a different group of people which is uh, there's some overlap with the first group, um, which are people who are like, like we, we call them life hackers. These are people who like um, feeling like, like they've hacked some aspect of productivity. You know, mm. these are, they like to set up their, their home automation really well and they make macros and they just like, they just really like, they kind of think of themselves as smarter than the average bear, right? Like yeah. they've, they've set this stuff up and now they're like, they're, they're more productive and look at all this cool stuff. And actually for the most part, a lot of these people, uh, spend more time like optimizing things than any savings they can possibly get from that optimization. Because again, they they derive pleasure from the optimization, from the from the life hacking. And I'm definitely one of those people. Like I love that. I, I do that stuff all the time. So I, I can I can like I can feel that in my own brain. But that's also maybe that's 10% of the population, partially overlapping with that first organizational fetishist group. But then the vast majority of the population, uh, I don't know, it's got to be at least 80%. Yeah. They, don't, they don't care about either of those things. <laughs> they, just, they just want, like, they just want to make fewer mistakes. They just want to be generally more productive without actually trying to have to do it. They don't want to think about it too much. Um, and we made an explicit decision at Evernote that we're going for that third category of people, at least early on. Like, we really wanted it to be for the broad category of people that didn't want to, like, that didn't enjoy specifically futzing around with their tag taxonomy and they didn't want to do mind mapping. Um, but we also had tons of users in those other two categories. And I probably have seen every startup pitch or at least a thousand like different startup pitches in, in those two categories, um, of which I think Rome right now is a like a really, really beautiful example of, of something that just fits in that second category that people who like like to think of themselves as being, you know, more organized because they've hacked some, you know, they've like discovered some fundamental secret about the world that they've managed to arrange. And now look how much more productive they are. Uh, so they, yeah, they have a very loyal following. Um, I like, my brain doesn't work that way. So I, I don't use it, uh, yeah. but I, I know lots of people who do. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm less interested in any of that stuff mm. now in terms of note taking. Like if I was working on a productivity app now, I would be kind of drawn to other questions. Um, mm. but yeah. 
Notion is doing well. Rome is doing well. There's it's good to see a lot of a lot of activity and, and Evernote is doing well. So I'm yeah. You know, I still use Evernote every day. It's fascinating because even, even I'm like still in the Google Keep camp. <laughs> and that's just like just throw up whatever you have to come to mind, save it, and don't even think about it. So I, I've been really fascinated by the conversations that you know that we're having here in the Valley around all of those different apps. It's pretty interesting. The future of note taking is bustling with opportunities. Seems like want to show love to the awesome John Fitch. Mm-hmm. Has helped many of us have the same superpowers of using OBS. OBS is difficult to use, and I can get a similar result within seconds thanks to more approachable user experience. I was using it to produce a few online self-paced courses. Well done, mm-hmm, team. What does Phil do in his time off, and how does it make him a better entrepreneur and leader? Talk to us. Wow, well, thank you. Yeah, so I um, actually didn't know anything about OBS or video editing at all when we started working on this, but I, I started exploring uh, kind of when we were trying to just hack together you know, the first version of mm-hmm. So then I, I found OBS and downloaded it and did a lot of stuff with with that and with other video editing things. Um, and I think um, I think there's a thing that's happening here. Um, I, I kind of think of it like this. I, I think there's a big change that's happening in the world. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's this idea that everything now is going to be hybrid. Um, and every person and every company uh, is going to need to now interact with large portions of the world via video in this kind of hybrid way. Um, it seems similar to me to the transformation that happened in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, when I started my first company, I'm, I'm really old. So when I started my first startup, it was 1997. I started a company called Engine 5, and we were doing um, dot-com stuff. You know, We were helping companies like go online. And I remember there were these big debates uh, back then, back in 1987, people were debating like, well, what percentage of people or of companies are going to have to be on the internet? And some people were saying like, 25% of all people and companies will be on the internet. And other people were being like, that's stupid. It's not going to be more than 2% max. And we were thinking like, we think it's going to be 100%. Uh, and, you know, and it was. And Phil is out of action. Oh, man, my camera keeps like He's back. He's back. overheating. We've got this like 200 degrees in San Francisco. <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm gonna. I've got a backup camera because because uh, I know what I'm doing. So let me just switch that. <laughs> it is hot in San Francisco, though. It is, it is uh, kind of ridiculous. But look at that. Shout out to not, the back. Not as good, but uh, but it'll do, right? Okay. Yeah, no, it's perfect. Um, and um, so. This like dot com. I don't know if any of you are like old enough to remember dot com. People used to say dot com, and now it sounds stupid. It sounded stupid for a long time, but it sounds stupid because it became true, right? Because it became ubiquitous. Because like you can't say like, oh, that's a dot com anymore, because like no one knows what you're talking about. Because everything is dot com. Every company and every person went online. It's going to be the same thing now for video. It's going to go from in the before times, you know, eight months ago, one percent, two percent of people and companies had to interact over video on a regular basis. It's going to go to one hundred percent within like a few months. Um, and just like with dot com before, there was all sorts of tools for the early adopters to be able to do things themselves. You know, there were websites in nineteen ninety five. There, you know, typically people were making things themselves with you know HTML and and then like we invented a whole bunch of tools to go from you know one tenth of one percent of people online to 1% and then to you know 100%. And video is going to be the same way. There's all sorts of tools like OBS 
that are a great way to get this industry started that require a lot of tinkering. Uh, and then there's going to be a lot of things that come after it, the second generation, the third generation, which I think mm -hmm is a good example that will just have, uh, you know, radically simpler experiences uh, that'll, that'll work for, you know, the other 99% of people. And just like the, the second and third generation of online tools became much more powerful than what most people could do, you know, by themselves, by editing HTML, you know, raw, so will this. So there's a lot you can do with OBS if you set it up right. Within a few months, there's going to be things that we can do in mm -hmm that you couldn't do in OBS or anything else, just because the the we're, we're not developing it as a video, you know, app. We're developing it as as a way to improve your performance, your quality of your performance. It's a different and specific focus, and uh, I think we'll get you know we'll get much much sharper as we come out of beta and and continue to expand. Uh, but yeah, but OBS was something that I honestly I only learned about it a couple of months ago, and it's it's great. I'm glad it exists. We couldn't have made uh, we couldn't have gotten started uh, without it. In terms of what like what I do in my free time, what's what's that? Yeah, what yeah. That? What do you do in your what is do what do, what do you do when you do have time off? If you do have time off. <laughs> oh man, I'm really not good at work life balance. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm I'm trying to be more so because I I, I used to I, I used to just laugh it off. I used to be like, yeah. you know, the hell is free time? Uh, I don't anymore because like I'm you know I'm getting older. I'm 48, and uh, I kind of, you know, the stuff I used to do in my 20s is is harder to do now. So I'm I'm trying to be more uh, kind of more mindful of not constantly working. Um, but you know, it's hard. I mean, I've been locked at home. I haven't really gone anywhere. It's uh, I'm in San Francisco where you can. You know, you're lucky if you can open a window right now because of the fires and the temperature. So work is kind of like the thing that's going really well. Uh, like this, this is the relaxing part. Like work is the stuff that uh, that's actually like fun and pleasant. So at least for now, like <laughs> the work is the enjoyment. Uh, we'll see what happens in a few months. Hopefully, the world will be in a place where I can, you know, do something other than work and 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 feel good about it. Yeah, and I, I think John Laws was kind of speaking to, and you're speaking to this kind of work-life blur we have now, um, given what's happening with COVID-19. But also, as we move towards a more hybrid workplace, uh, we're going to start seeing people find more enjoyment in their work, and it's going to be pretty much a passion. Yeah, I think I think that's right, um, and and I think the changes are so are so dramatic, um, and it's easy to sit around and think about all the th about all the things that are worse now than they were before. Um, that doesn't take much imagination. I think it's more useful and more interesting to like focus on the things that are better because of the changes in the world and, and really try to double down on those, try to lean into those, try to do more with what's better than it's ever been. Mm. Um, and I think that's, uh, like, I think that's possible. I think that's, that's important. So for example, um, you know, we're hiring all sorts of people now. Uh, on both the All Turtles website and mm -hmm website. I think we have something like 15 or 20 job postings available. And this was pretty scary, right? Because I thought like, man, like we're all remote. And, you know, I kind of miss like being in the office and seeing people in person. And how am I going to hire people that I've never met? Like that feels kind of weird. <laughs> um, and it is kind of weird. But then I realized that like there's also a superpower there, right? Which is like we no longer have to specify location for any job. So like mm -hmm. we're hiring the best people wherever they are in the country and sometimes in the world. 
And that's kind of amazing, right? So I can like sit around and mope about how interviewing people is harder because I don't get a chance to meet them in person, which is true. Or I can say, yeah, but what about the superpower of being able to talk to anyone on the entire planet for a job without having to like fly them around and make it efficient and not worrying about what people are? Like that's obviously much better than it was before. So I think, you know, I try to find like the parts of the world that are better and emphasize those and see like how far can we push them? Uh, rather than just dwelling on uh, the stuff that isn't as good as it used to be. That's powerful. With that said, Phil, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. You know, what would be your powerful takeaway for our guy community on a problem, on probably one of the biggest problem areas you think that people can start building and solving for, given the, the landscape of the world right now? Yeah, I think I think that's like the main question is uh, the framework that, that we have is uh, we call it problems worth solving. Yeah. Uh, like what, what are the problems that are worth solving? And the, the first step of that is to identify what you're working on as a, as a problem, like phrase it as a problem, right? Most, most companies, most startups can't do that. It's not like they're not, they're not trying to solve a particular problem. They're chasing some opportunity. So mm-hmm. first thing is like an actual problem. And then, um, you know, who do you know that actually has this problem? Like which actual specific human beings can you point to that have it and quantify the, you know, the impact? And then you can solve the problem that, you know, you or your founders, uh, you know, know the best that you think is actually is, is actually worthwhile. Um, a big thing right now is going to be, you know, just general loneliness and uh, uh, and depression and people feeling uh, overwhelmed and frustrated. I think that's a massive thing to work on. There's lots of great companies, including some that we are helping build that are in that space, but there's always room for more. Um, a foundational problem is uh, the, 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 the in, intentional amplification of division and conflict that's happening because of the way we've structured our you know, mostly our social media, but other stuff as well. Uh, like we have built a world that actively rewards conflict mm. and doesn't re- doesn't involve consensus. It doesn't doesn't reward consensus. Uh, and so thinking through alternative models for how can we have media and social media and how can we organize ourselves in models that reward coming together and building consensus rather than literally reward as much conflict as possible is a big thing. So there's things like, you know, Telepath, which just launched uh, of course, you know, lots of attempts to make a, you know, something that's a new a new Facebook uh, or a new Twitter, and those are very difficult to do, uh, but very much worth it. Um, so I think, again, if you just look at this theme, and for us, the theme is future of health and future of work. There's there's a lot of very apparent problems. Um, the the main part of the framework is, you know, legitimate problems are usually not new. Yeah. Right, like legitimate problems, usually the same problems that have been around for a few decades or a few hundred years. Like it's you know, if there's a problem that's like a brand new problem, like that's that isn't that's kind of suspicious, right? Like legitimate problems usually have been around for a long time. Hmm. What changes because of technology is our opportunity for how to solve them. So we try to look for newly possible solutions for old traditional problems Hmm. and focus things like that. Uh, and there's no shortage of old traditional problems. You don't have to have a lot of imagination. Just point at one and then use the imagination to find a newly possible solution to it that you couldn't have done before. 
It was powerful POV, Phil. Thank you so much. And shout out to everyone that's tuning in. But that's some wisdom there from the man behind. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Phil. We need to have you back on. And I can I can you please write a book called Mm Mm-hmm? The story. (laughs) I would buy that book in a heartbeat, man. I I know, you know, uh, uh, we're going to work on that. Uh, And uh, I think I think I know the title. I think I know the title. I think the title is going to be In the Zoom Where It Happened. (laughs) In the Zoom. Perfect. You heard it here first on the Guy Live B2B Jam Session Show. Phil, it was such an honor having you. Can we please have you back? I would love to. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you so much, Phil. Talk to you soon, my friend. Take care. (laughs) You too. And that was the man himself, the CEO behind Mm -hmm, on our lovely Guy Live B2B Jam Session. If you enjoyed that episode, please show us some love. Give us a like. Give us a thumbs up. Give us curiosity emotive on LinkedIn or whatever. But more importantly, share this with your network. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell their boss that we just had the awesome CEO of one of the hottest companies in the Valley right now, mm-hmm, Mr. Phil Libin, who's also the founder and CEO of All Turtles Product Studio. If you are building an idea in the future of work category or the future of health, check out All Turtles and see if that's a product studio you want to be a part of. And don't be afraid to reach out to Phil and See how you can help you scale your startup to the next big thing. With that said, thank you all so much for tuning in with us today. You know, super appreciate you all. And thank you all so much for always being a part of our movement and supporting us, the guide team, team guide. Please check out guideapp.co if you've not signed up for our early beta. We're getting better every day, every week, every month, every hour. And we wouldn't be the best we are without you all. In addition to that, if you are interested in being on a future episode of the guide live b2b jam session reach out to me on linkedin on twitter or more importantly reach out to us at utfow.com utfow.com if you're interested in being a guest and having our platform be your platform we're always here to support you and more importantly elevate the amazing work that you may be doing wherever you are with that said thank you so much much love to oakland if you are in the building tuning this tuning into this, showing us love. Please take care of yourself. And as the world continues to face violence, extremism, and sadness and oppression, we want to let you know that we are launching Big Black Tea October 1st. Big Black Tea. Here I'm holding Harmony Loose Leaf Green Tea. But we also have my favorite, which I'm actually currently drinking right now, Zen, which is Loose Leaf Black Tea. It's coming out October 1st. And we want you to be a part of our movement. It's a token of our love to our guy community. But we know it's also something that the world needs right now. So definitely make sure to check out BigBlackTea.com. BigBlackTea.com. So you can get access as soon as we pre-order for Big Black Tea on our website, BigBlackTea.com. It's going to take some time to get to you because we're still launching. We're we're launching a brand. So it's going to take about four weeks of the tea to get to you. But you'll be a part of an amazing community of people who are joining us in our movement, the guide movement. But more importantly, they see big black tea and just tea in itself as an opportunity to nurture peace culture and find a moment of zen and harmony in such tough times that we're all facing. With that said, much love to everyone tuning in. Thank you so much. I am going to cap you all out to this lovely song by the Street Streetwise band. It's called Me, Myself, and I. Much love, y'all. Peace, love, and abundance.